chapter 13. We're nearing the end of the Romans road, and I believe that there's some light that we can see here. Uh, the title, if you're taking notes, is Our Spiritual Duty. Our Spiritual Duty. How many know we have a duty? Say amen when you have Romans 13. That means you're looking. Amen. When you find it, say amen. Okay, let's roll. Starting at verse 11. And do this knowing the time that now is, it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revel revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So as we're nearing the end of the Romans row, we learned about salvation. We learned about how to act in government. There's a lot of things there. Pastor Greg did a great teaching. I'm going to try to teach today. And Pastor's been on it for a few days. And we really kind of, kind of getting a grasp of the Romans road. And now I want to go here with this. Remember, he just began the same chapter talking about the government, the duty of the believer to respect and submit to government. And he turns his attention to duty as we live out our daily life. Now, while the government passes laws that are designed to protect and control society, hopefully, we have a duty, you and I have a duty, to live out the life of Christ as we pass through this world. That's our duty. Can you say amen? See, that's the emphasis that Paul is trying to bring out in these verses. So if you're observing as we read the text, you notice that Paul is using a language of urgency. He's not giving you beating around the bush. He's giving you urgent words here. In other words, this is something we really need to pay attention to as we walk this walk. It's a language of urgency. So he's telling us the duties mentioned here are not to be put off for another day. In other words, he's saying do it today. Do it now. you got to act on these things right now. You can't walk like the devil because you're a Christian. Oh, here we go. It's about to get real up in here. And register, register. I wish I could rap. Amen. But he's telling you and I about the duties that we should not put it off. But we're to be carried out every day within our lives as we see our lives lived out in this world. This world is messed up. If you look around, you see the things that are happening taking place. Whoa! you got to be careful. But every day, we got to live in this world. So we have to be very careful. So we're going to look at our spiritual duties. And if you're taking notes, this is a good time to take notes because I'm in teacher mode right now. So you might find that you're doing your duty well, or you might see that there's areas that need attention. Okay? Number one. Everybody say number one. Our duty is to watch diligently. Our duty is to watch diligently. And do this knowing the time that now is high time to awake up out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. In other words, he's telling us to watch the seasons. Watch the seasons. See, the word time refers to a season of time. And we have to consider our present season. And our present season of life is very short. 
We're here. We're like a mist, the Bible says. We're not going to be here very long. And the older you get, you see, well, I'm getting a little closer to that. Getting a little closer to eternity. But it's okay. Because I understand the season. Are you with me? Life is short. But this whole verse has to do with the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many know that Jesus is coming back? And I believe it's sooner than we think. So we have to be vigilant. That's why Paul tells us to, our duty is to watch diligently. See, the idea here is we're to watch the changing world around us and understand that Jesus is coming soon. Are you with me? See, many believers cruise through life not considering the fact that Jesus could come at any time. In other words, they have carnal security. Carnal security. They trust in their bank account. They trust in their job. They, they trust in other things. They trust in people. But let me tell you, if you trust in people, government, finances, you're going to get let down. I've, I've done a lot of funerals. I've never seen a truck pulling all the stuff you've gathered over the years and throwing it in the hole. They don't do that. It gets left here. Don't put your security in stuff. But all we have to do, you and I, is watch the news and line it up with the Word of God, and you can see that the end is coming soon. That's all you got to do. You don't need me to say it. You just do it yourself. Watch the news and read the Bible, and you'll find out we're nearing the end. That's why we got to be diligent. Are you with me? See, the advice Jesus gave in Matthew is still good advice for you and I. In verse 42 of Matthew 24, he said this, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. In other words, he's saying be concerned about your soul. Be concerned about your soul. That's what really counts, eternity. We're here for a little time, short time. But eternity, I heard someone say it this way one time. If a bird, a seagull, was to come and get a grain of sand and fly it to the moon, and take until he did every grain of sand all over the earth and put it back again, that would just be the beginning of eternity. So it's a long time. Everybody say long time. So you've got to be concerned about your eternal interest. What's really going on in my life? Don't be like the foolish virgins. Remember the virgins? Some of them fell asleep. They didn't put oil in their lamps. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. See, you've got to have the Holy Spirit moving in your life. You don't want to be caught doing stupid stuff when Jesus comes back. Can I be real here? You don't want to be caught on the street corner making a move. You don't want to be caught in the club going, whoa, whoa, hey, baby, what's up? You don't want to be caught doing that stuff. Oh, we've never done that. We've never done, this is Victory Outreach, right? We've done all that and then some. Let's be real. Then he says, watch for sleep. Be careful. Paul tells us that the time for slumber is past. The words he used, high time, means that a specific hour has arrived. It's arrived. Too many people of God are sleeping on the job, living their lives as they please without a thought for God's will and the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. They're just living their life every day like they did in the days of Noah, eating, drinking, marrying, having fun, and not even thinking the end is at near. It's going to be coming. He's coming soon. Are you with me? They live their lives as they please with no thought of God. See, sleep is defined as this, and I'm going to give you the definition. 
a state of inactivity with a loss of consciousness and a decrease in responsiveness to events that are taking place. People are going to sleep through the rapture. They're going to sleep right through it. In other words, a sleeping person is out of touch with the events that surround him while he sleeps. So you've got to be very careful. Don't be lazy. There's some people that want to sleep all Sunday and they don't want to get up and go to church. This is where we get fed. They don't want to go to life group. They don't want to go to victory center. They don't want to do nothing. Bible says whatever. And they, they start sleeping their way through life. And they miss the events. They don't even see. You know, the Bible tells us to walk circumspectly. That means to know what's going on around you. But if you don't know what's happening in the times and you don't know about the seasons, you're in trouble. While I might be okay, I hear, you know, we take the guys to movies sometimes. And I got a couple guys at home. I'm not going to name you. <laughs> I should. Every time you take them to a movie, they fall asleep. They're, <laughs> and you think they're dying. There's popcorn in their throat. You don't know if you should give them a, you don't know what's going on. But they ruin the whole movie for everybody else. <laughs> they can't breathe. They need a CPAC or something, whatever that thing is. But it's okay to doze in a movie. If you're comfortable, go ahead, go there and sleep. It's okay to get a good night's sleep. But there's no excuse for being asleep about the things of God. Don't be asleep about the things of God. He's, Wake up! That's what he's saying. Some of you are sleeping right now. I'm just kidding. I'll get loud. Don't worry about it. See, in other words, you've got to be very careful. Some people are in a state of inactivity when it comes to the things of God. They're not active for God. It don't happen here, right? We're all, we're all busy for Jesus, right? Yeah. Okay. But if you're not, that's bad. That's bad. See, I pray the Lord finds us watching when he comes. He finds us ready and awake and ready for action when he comes. We should be somewhere like hitting the streets when he comes. We should be marching. You never know. We might be doing that march, and all of a sudden, all there is is signs and motorcycles laying on the ground. That'd be heavy. That'd be tight. I say, hey, Jesus, when I get up there, can you re-roll that tape, please, so I can see that again? See, our salvation is nearer than we believed. There's three stages. We are saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. At the moment of conversion, we're saved from the penalty of sin. We're being saved daily from the power of sin. And we're going to be saved eventually from the presence of sin. There will be no sin in heaven. There will be no sin in heaven. No more pain. Could you imagine that? No more spine injections. None of this stuff going on. We're going to be, man. Man, we're, we're all jacked up right now. Well, at least I am. I don't know about you guys. It's going to, it's going to be kind of pleasing well, really pleasing. You know, sometimes we think we're afraid to die, but once we get to life, it's not going to matter because we've got eternal life. But it's being worked out daily. Our salvation is being worked out daily within our lives. See, one day when Jesus returns, we're going to experience the complete effect of our salvation. Can you imagine that, being caught up with him in the air? I hope I last that long. That'd be tight. We're all superheroes. <laughs> Come on, Marvel. You ain't got nothing on us. See, one day when he returns, we're going to have that. But Paul means this. 
Every day we pitch our tent one step closer to God. Every day, one step closer. Every day, one step closer. Remember Lot in Sodom? Before he went to Sodom, he split from Abraham and he pitched his tent toward Sodom. And I believe he got closer and closer and closer until finally he was in Sodom. You got to decide where you're going to pitch your tent. Where are you going to pitch your tent? What direction do you want to go? Because it's, it's a process. It's a process. Amen? So that's a decision every one of us has to make. He pitches tents or Sodom, and every day he got closer and closer to destruction. Every day. See, Paul wants us to remind us that Jesus is closer today than he was yesterday. Are you guys with me? Are you living in anticipation of his return? Or are you just blaseing through life? So number one, our duty is to watch what? Diligently. Number two, our duty is to war diligently. To war diligently. Verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. It's a time of crisis. We have to understand that. Paul is telling us that sleepy time is over. Sleepy time is over. You've got to pay attention. It's time to be active in God's business. There's an urgency for you and I to do and act in the things of God. Every day people are dying. Every day people are going to hell because they don't know about Jesus Christ. Every single day. Now we're seeing youngsters get gunned down. Even just the other night. Right here. Right there. Some kid got gunned down. While we were in church. Maybe our church should be out there. Maybe we should be winning these souls. People are dying younger and younger. I hate doing young funerals. I did one about a month and a half ago. The kid was 17 years old. A drunk driver plowed in a bunch of kids, and he didn't make it. I'd seen a bunch of, bunch of his friends with back braces and wheelchairs. It's a drunk driver, a lady. So you never know. You've got to be very vigilant. Sweet pea, Parnell Whitaker. He got hit by a car and died. One of the best boxers I ever saw. He was bad. But you never know. Where was his heart? Where was his heart? Every day, the forces of evil are getting stronger. And they're working harder in the world. Just watch the news. Watch what happens. The gay rights parade and all this crazy stuff. If you're gay, I love you. But I don't love those gay parades. See, there's a need for you and I to wake up. We got to wake up. It's quiet in here. Is it that kind of message? It is, huh? I got to tell the truth. I can't come up here and scratch your back and all that stuff. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get you mad at me. You're going to wear steel toes next time I preach. See, we got to recognize the serious of the hour and get busy serving the Lord with all of our might. With all of our might. We got to not only love the Lord, but we got to serve with all of our might. If you're planning to tell your neighbors about Jesus, the time is now. Because tomorrow's not promised. If you want to reach your family, the time is now. If you're going to work for the Lord and do his business, the time is now. Well, I'll do it next week. I'll be a missionary next year. Time is now. You want to go to the UTC? Time is now. MTC? Time is now. 
You want to do something for God? The time is now. Turn to your neighbor and say, now. See, we need to recognize the crisis of the hour and dedicate ourselves to be all God wants us to be. This is the time. See, another thought that's in this verse is that the reign of darkness on earth is also close to its end. The reign of darkness. Satan knows his time is short. So he's pulling out all the stops. Pulling out all the stops. Very soon the darkness of sin is going to be over. And like a veil, it's going to be lifted and a new day will come. A day when Jesus is going to rule. And we're going to rule with him. So that tells me it's a time for commitment. It's a time of commitment. See, we've got to put on the armor of light. That's what Paul said. Put on the armor of light. The idea of this verse is a man rising from sleep, throwing off the bed covers, taking off his pajamas, and getting ready for the day. Since Paul uses the word armor, we could say that he's speaking like a new recruit who shows up for duty to boot camp in the military. That's really what he's saying here. That's the word picture. It's a change that will last as long as he serves. When you go into the military, you dress up the way they tell you to dress. You put on your uniform, you put on your battle gear, and you stay that way until you get out of the army. Let me tell you, we are in an army we don't get out of. We don't get out of this one. This is one we are in por vida, for life. For life. Amen? In other words, it's a life of total commitment. Not halfway, total. You've got to be dedicated. If you want to serve God, you've got to be dedicated. Things don't always go your way. There's times you want to quit, want to give up. In my victory center the other day, I was telling them, you know what, I wanted to leave the home. I felt like packing up my wife and daughter. I'm out of here. There's times you feel like that. But because of your commitment, because of your dedication, you don't give up. The more you do for God, the more you're going to get hit by the devil. You better be ready to fight because the devil don't play games. So you got to get on and say, you know what? I'm going to put on the armor. I'm going to put on the light. I'm going to fight this fight. Devil, get out of here. Are you with me? That's for somebody. See, God's idea of the Christian life is a life of commitment and total dedication. But so many Christians today, it's a life of compromise. A lot of Christians compromise today. Don't get hurt if I say something to hurt you, okay? Because <laughs> I'm going to go there. Can I go there? <laughs> See, they honor God in church, but when they get out of church, they don't honor God. This can't be. God command for us is total commitment once and for all. Are you committed? Are you willing? What was number one? Duty to watch. Diligently, duty to war diligently. It's number three, our duty to walk diligently. Verse 13, as I get a drink of water, I am parched. There it is. Verse 13, let us walk properly. As in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and then lust, not in strife and envy. Are you ready? This is the part where you go, ooh, ooh, ooh. We've got to have a decent walk. The phrase walk honestly means to behave properly. To behave properly. 
See, in Christ, we have to behave properly. Your testimony is one of the most powerful things that a Christian has. Either a good way or a bad way. A lot of people are turned off to Christianity because of the walk of some Christians. They're not walking properly. They confess to know Christ, but they're not walking properly. Are you getting ready? You ready for this? Here it comes. We have to live an outward life that's consistent to who we say we are. To who we say we are. If we say we're saved, we got to live as though we're saved. We need to practice ma and match our profession, what we say. The practice has to match. See, with a new birth comes a desire to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. In other words, you don't want to displease your Savior. But you still want to be a good testimony to everyone else. Your walk's got to match your talk. There should be nothing hidden about our lives. We should be an open book. Because there's nothing, nothing vile within us because we know how to walk. We walk properly. you got to be an open book. Nothing hypocritical. Nothing hidden. Your life is just open, honest, and pleasing to the Lord. A lot of times, because we don't walk like that, our worship just its not getting it. See, when you walk and you, you walk in a way in a manner that pleases the Lord and you worship, you get touched. You get touched. God begins to move in your life like never before. But if there's hidden stuff, hidden agendas, hidden sin, then you can't fully worship. And we wonder, what are they doing? Oh, they're playing songs. Well, I don't understand. Lift my hands? No way. You just don't get it. But when you walk with the Lord, you get it. You understand that worship is the most important thing you could do. Worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But if there's something wrong here, it's going to be messed up here. Are you guys with me? We shouldn't have a devilish walk. After, after telling how we should live, Paul turns his attention to how we should not live. How we should not live. And he mentions six sins of the flesh, and we're going to go there. It was prevalent in his day, and it's prevalent in our day. Are you with me? Number one, revelry. This refers to wild parties. You guys never partied, huh? Man, I remember when I was young, my mom would take off. I had like 180 people in the house. I'd hide all the jewelry, hide all the stuff that would break, and we tore it up. But it also means sexual orgies and fighting. Some of you still like to fight. You still like to fight. Hello. Got real quiet now. Number two is drunkenness. This re refers to habitual and intentional intoxication. This could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be whatever. Nobody uses drugs here, right? If you are, come on home. We'll help you. See, it's interesting to note that the New Testament usually speaks of drunkenness and riot rioting together. Galatians 5.21, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 4.3, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. We all used to walk in that stuff. Not one of us here is pure. We're all sinners saved by grace. We're all filthy. We're all dirty. We don't even deserve to be saved. But by God's grace, the cross... Right there. Bam! 
He shed his blood for you and I. See, lewdness, number three. This word comes from a word that means to go to bed with someone. It refers to sexual activities that are happening outside of the marriage relationship. It's a work of the flesh. It's sin. Whether it be fornication, which is sexual activity before marriage, or adultery, which is sexual activity after marriage, with someone that isn't your spouse. That's sin. You got to be real here. It doesn't matter if society condones it. God doesn't. God doesn't. Society says it feels good, do it. That's how we lived our lives before. But now we need to get married. You want to have to say, get married. Do it the right way. Do it the right way. Amen? Don't play around. Don't, don't walk in sin. What if Jesus came and you're doing something like that? That'd be crazy. It's a sad statement, but this is even the condition of some professing Christians. They say they're saved, but they're doing this. See, sexual activity is forbidden by God and still prevalent in the church today. Number four, got quiet. Somebody drop a pin back there so I can listen. There it is. I heard it. Good grief. Should I even go to lust? Okay, number four, lust. I'm hitting all six, so we're almost done. The word is tied to the previous word, and it refers to unbridled, uninhibited sexual desire and activity. See, even desire. Sometimes you desire things that are really bad. Don't do that. Don't do that. It speaks against the casual attitude society holds concerning sex, where every form of sexual expression is indulged in and encouraged. In other words, anything goes. Anything goes. And some of us have been around people that, whoa, anything really went. It's crazy. I'm not even going to go there because it's bad. Number five, strife. Strife. The word refers to a mind that seeks its own way first without regard for others. It speaks of people who are constantly bickering and engaging in petty disagreements and cheesemism. and da -da 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 -da. weedy weedy. As Pastor Steve used to say. It speaks of, a, of people who are just plain mean. They're always looking for an argument, always looking for a fight. They want to stir things up. It's walking around with an attitude and a big chip on their shoulder. We don't know anybody like that, huh? The world and the church has these kinds of people. And lastly... Envy, six, envy. Are you guys getting something today? I guess I'm not getting invited to your house for dinner, though, huh? <laughs> See, envy refers to a spirit of jealousy. Jealousy. See, this is an attitude of me first and everyone else later. Me first. Me, myself, and I. It's an attitude of the heart. Attitude of the heart. It seeks everything that self wants without concern for other people. Is there any of these things in your life today? Well, there's a remedy for it. You know what it is? Confession and repentance. Simple. Jesus wants to take it out of your life. Okay, number one, it's our duty to watch diligently, to war diligently, to walk diligently, and four, 
It's our duty, and this is the last one, to wait diligently. To wait diligently. Verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. In other words, we've got to wait properly dressed. We've got to be in Christ. Paul tells us that while we're waiting for the Lord to return, we should be careful that we act the right way. We've got to act right. We've got to be dressed right. Now, I'm not talking about physical clothes. He tells us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, we were placed into Jesus the moment of our conversion, the moment we accepted Christ in our life. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. See, here he means that we're to clothe ourselves in all that Jesus is, to be like Christ. We're to adopt his character as our character. We're to adopt his lifestyle as our lifestyle. His truth, he is truth. We should walk in truth. He is light. We are to walk in the light. He's faithful. We are to be faithful. He's holy. We are to be holy. He loves the Father. We're to love the Father more than anything else. He walked in total obedience to God. And so are we. We're supposed to walk in total obedience. See, the idea is encapsulated by John in 1 John 2.6. He who says he abides in him ought to himself also to walk just as he walked. So we have to walk like Christ. Put on Christ. Put on Christ. This is the most important thing to do while we're waiting for his return. Amen? See, the idea here is progression towards perfection. Progression towards perfection. It's a process. God is in the business of growing saints. That's what he wants to do. In Ephesians 4.13... We will all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He wants to reproduce the life of his Son in you and I to continue on. See, we have to understand when we go out and evangelize, we talk to people, knock on doors, whatever we're doing, our life itself, we are a representation of Christ. When they look at us, they should see Jesus Christ, not us. You know, as I was getting ready to come to church, I seen this lady walk by. Say, hey, good morning, uh, Spanish lady, Mexican lady. And she goes, is this a rehab? I go, kind of. It's kind of a rehab. Why? Can I help you? She said, my son, my son. He was smoking marijuana. We sent him to Mexico. Bad place to send him. <laughs> and so now, now he's doing marijuana and meth, you know. I said, you know what? Bring him here. We can help him. We can help him. So we'll see if that happens. But see, she didn't see me. She saw Christ in me. That's why she stopped and everything. I could feel the anointing come. So when you, when you begin to walk in Christ and, and you talk to somebody, all of a sudden you feel the anointing. You feel the power of God. Amen? And you know you're walking the way you should walk. You put on who you should put on. You're walking in the way of the Lord. And that's the best feeling ever. Because now you're making an impact in the world. Amen? We've got to determine that we're going to live Christ-like in a hell-bound world. Otherwise, more people are going to go to hell than they should. Now, also, we've got to wait properly detached. I'll tell you what that means. 
He said to make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision. The word provision means forethought or planning. Do not plan anything for the flesh. Don't plan anything for the flesh. That's our problem sometimes. Remember, the battle is here. It's in our mind. And we begin to plan for the flesh. We plan for this. We plan for that. Is that God's plan or your plan? Make no provision for the flesh. The idea is we're to avoid any attempts by the mind to allow for the fulfilling of fleshly lust. Amen? See, we're guilty of assuming that sin begins with the devil. He thinks it up. He tempts us. Well, that happens sometimes. Don't get me wrong. But usually, sin begins a little closer to home. Right here. We begin to conceive it. We begin to think about it. And you know, if you think about something long enough, you're going to act on it. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. James 1, 14 and 15. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. As long as we live in this world, there's going to be a pull of things to the world. As long as we're here, as long as we're wearing this flesh, the flesh is going to be trying to grab us. And, you know, oh, it's going to feel good. Oh, you yeah, go like that. Yeah, I got to admit, I went to my therapy for my back finally after four years. And I got to admit, when she started massaging my lower back, it felt good. I said, how many times do I get to come? <laughs> She's stretching me out and all this stuff. And it hurt a little bit, but then when she started to work it out, I go, ugh. Usually I was afraid to let people touch me, you know. It took me four years to let her turn my toenails. Because <laughs> I don't like people touching me, you know. But she started doing it, you know, putting this stuff on her. I like, ah, oh. The flesh likes this. <laughs> but we, that's our nature. That's our nature. We like the things of the flesh. Right? Or am I the only one? Oh, yeah. I know some of you guys get those uh, massages. I don't do that, but it felt good. <laughs> but as long as we're here, we're going to get pulled towards the things of the world. We've got to be careful. But we don't have to fall for temptation. We don't have to fall for it. We will sin, but we don't have to. We don't have to sin. It's a choice. It's a decision. You've got to train your mind. I'm not going to do it. No matter how good it looks, God says no. No, I'm not going to do it. I want to walk in Christ. We're going to be tempted, but we don't have to yield to it. We don't have to. It's a choice. It's your choice. Amen? Romans 6.14 says this. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you not, are not under the law, but under grace. See, sin doesn't have dominion over us anymore. When we were in the world, yeah, sin had dominion, man. We did whatever felt good. And we overdid everything that felt good. We OD, we did this, we did that. Bad things. Because it felt, we felt like it. But we don't have to. It has no dominion over our lives. Not anymore. When we allow our minds, hearts, wills, and emotions to rule our lives, they will make provision for the flesh. They will. They will make provision for the flesh. Why? Because they're still influenced by the flesh. And the flesh has wicked desires. But when we allow the Spirit of God to control our thinking, 
We're not going to do what the flesh wants. We're not going to do, we'll, we will do what the spirit wants though. In Galatians 5.16, turn there real quick. And I would underline this, highlight this, put stars next to it, whatever you do. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There it is again. Walk in the spirit. Walk dressed right. Walk properly. And you will not leave any desires of the flesh. You're gonna, no, the lust of the flesh is not going to get you. The whole idea here is, is to control our minds, our heart, our will, and emotions so that they're under the power of the Holy Spirit. If you ask the Holy Spirit, should I do this, and he doesn't want you to do that, he's going to let you know. You're going to feel like, oh, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do that. Oh, that's not good. That's not a good place for me to go. Are you with me? I remember when I first got out of the home, I wanted to go back and reach all the dolphins I was with before. And the Holy Spirit said, no, don't do it. Don't do it. I waited like 10 years after being saved, and I brought somebody with me. Then he said, okay, <laughs> you can do it now. And they were all dead. Sad. Sad to say. But we're not to give any desire for the flesh. In 1 John 4, 4, as we get ready to close, as the keyboards and team comes, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we have to do our spiritual duty. Are you doing that? Or has the Spirit of God placed a finger on some area in your life and said, you need that fixed. You got to work on that. Got to work on this. See, the whole purpose of, of the Word of God is to direct us and lead us and guide us. So when the Holy Spirit moves and begins to tell you, well, you need work in that area, work in that area if you want to change. If you don't want to change, it's up to you. You have a free will. But if you really want to change, take the instruction of God. Take it seriously because we've got to watch out. Amen? It's our duty to watch diligently. It's our duty to war diligently. It's our duty to walk diligently. And it's our duty to wait diligently. Because the Lord is coming soon. He's coming soon. You know, I recommend if you're not right in some of these areas that we talked about, make a decision today. Maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe you're not even saved. Make a decision today. Because today's the day. Tomorrow's not promised for any of us. Not at all. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of change. Today is the day to put your hand in God's hand and let him be able to move within your life. You know, sometimes we think we got to do something to be saved. You don't have to do anything. He already did it on the cross. The sins are done, but you got to ask for forgiveness of your sin. That's all you got to do. It's not a big thing and you got to do this, you got to do that. These are instructions so we can walk properly before Jesus comes. I wasn't trying to jam everybody and all that. No, no, not at all. But I'm trying to bring instruction because I love you. But God loves you more. He sent his son to die for you. So if you want to avail, I want you to bow your heads with me right now. Heavenly Father, I just pray your spirit will continue to move here, Lord Jesus. We want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We want to take out the things that are hindering our walk, God. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of your glory. And you're here.